Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Hellstrand, and we're here again. We're all here again, and we are very happy to be here with Matt. And I'm certainly not going to try his name, because I never have. I've known him since 2009, and I've had all sorts of trouble with his name. So I'm going to let him tell you, but I'm going to tell you about this book, Speed, A Complete How-To Manual to Quick and Permanent Fat Loss. Um, it's not the first title of this book. It's the second title. And it's been on my shelf for since 2009. And very happy to have these two guys, young, young guys with us here. Um, Matt and Jeff. Jeff is a uh, 16-year experience in health and fitness field. He has undergraduate degrees in nutrition and behavioral sciences and master's of science and exercise science and health promotion. He's also a certified nutritionist and certified personal trainer. Matt, his devoted colleague, uh, lives here in Mesa, Arizona, and he is involved in fitness industry for six years. He's a certified personal trainer and a corrective exercise specialist through the National Academy of Sports Medicine and has a Master's of Science in Exercise Science and Health Promotion. He currently uh, serves as wellness manager at Pops Health and corporate wellness company based in Mesa. And I am very happy to have him here. You there, Matt? I am. (laughs) Hopefully you heard what I just said. I did. (laughs) (laughs) Now, you know, know, I've I've never had very much luck with your last name, so tell us what that is again. It's uh, it's pronounced Shana Burger. Now, see, I would have never gotten that. That I, I would not have had the A in there. You know, the sounding. So yeah, you know, it's it's actually funny because when I was a kid, everybody, you know, it's actually oddly enough, it's a common name in my hometown, and uh, and most people pronounced it Shona Burger or Shana Burger. But then my dad always pronounced it kind of with that hard A, that Shana Burger. So. That's kind of uh, <laughs> kind of what I'm going with right now. Who knows? Yeah, everybody just called me Burger anyway, so it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't well, matter. I I understand how you feel because you know I was a Z-man before I got married, and and that's it starts with an S. So it's yeah. S S Z E M A N. So you know, hey, I've I've had that name too. You know, that kind of name that <laughs> nobody can get, and it's always. Yeah. So uh, I obviously gave you gave it the introduction of you. And of course, Jeff is not with us, but I wanted everybody to know that you know he was uh, also part of the book. Yeah. So tell us how you two got together. Uh, Jeff and I actually met uh, probably 2006, I think. 
uh, I was actually I was a personal trainer at one of the bigger gyms here in the uh, in the Mesa Phoenix area, sort of, and uh, and he was uh, a part owner at a uh, at a small personal training studio, and I was looking to get out of the big gym atmosphere and get into a more comfortable environment, and uh, and so he interviewed me, sort of, so I could start renting at their gym, and that's that's kind of what uh, that's how it began, and then it, it quickly grew from there to like a very uh, mutually respectful work relationship. You know, we had a lot mm-hmm. of the same ideas in common, so uh, it was it was exciting to meet someone who had who had the same ideas in the in this industry. You know, well, you both had the same passion, obviously. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember uh, meeting Jeff and his office. He had so many books on exercise and fitness. <laughs> yeah, he has a uh, a little bit of a problem, I would say, probably with a, a little bit of a book addiction. Um, but uh, no, it, it's obviously it's a good thing. We were actually just talking yesterday. We both have Kindles now, so we're we're talking about how that might change, you know, the space availability in our houses with not having to have, you know, bookshelves upon bookshelves of of books. Well, that that's just you. Uh... You know, you don't mind reading uh, on a very small screen. <laughs> We're so used yeah, to reading yeah. it. Reading, you know how it's kind of funny. I tell people, here we are, gotten larger and larger in in uh, flat screen monitors, but we're getting smaller and smaller in in the uh, in our reading devices. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've only had mine. I actually just got mine yesterday, so I've been toying with it a little bit. It's a, it's an interesting little gadget. I don't think I could read on it all the time, but it'll be it'll be nice for some portability, you know. Well, you know, seniors really like it because they can they can you know have control on how big they can make the text. Right. So right. yeah. Yeah, that is nice. Just can't get that many words on there the bigger it gets. <laughs> right. Right. You got to turn the page every every sentence or so. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about you. Okay. Well, uh, you know, currently, as you said, I'm, you know, uh, wellness manager at Pops Health, which is a, a corporate wellness company. And and so I've kind of, uh, I still do a little bit of personal training, but, I, you know, that's when Jeff and I met, we were both personal trainers and, and we both kind of, I wouldn't say distance ourselves, but we've moved on to a little a little different arena of kind of corporate wellness and, uh, and doing that. So we still get to work with people on, you know, on a coaching basis, which is which is fun. We just get to work with a lot more people now, I think, a uh, wider variety of, of, of people. Uh, but, uh, you know, outside that, I do all the normal things people do, like play dodgeball and uh, and go hiking and, and take my dog for a run every day and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, that's what I saw you the other day with your dog. So, yeah. She's a, she's a lunatic. She's a crazy... High energy dog. If she doesn't get her walk every day, she lets me know about it. So it's good. It keeps me on my toes. You know. That's and, and that's one thing about having a dog. I think is that at least it gets you out of the house. Yes. Yes. Definitely does. You're, you're forced, you do right. forced to take it. Yeah. You're forced to take the dog for a walk. And, <laughs> right. Uh, I said I need a dog. I guess I have a cat, and they're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend has two cats. So you know, I know what that's like. So one of them actually likes to go outside. He tries to sneak out every time you open the door. So <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Sometimes I, I take I... the cat for a walk. <laughs> so uh, 
why did you and Jeff write the speed book? Well, at the, at the time we wrote, we were uh, we had we we had our own uh, wellness facility for a little while, a couple of years there, um, and we had actually, for some strange reason, decided to also go back to school at the same time. So we we were both getting our master's degree in 2008, and uh, and I, I think I think that was part of it. I think Jeff had always kind of wanted to write a book of some sort. And uh, and part of it, what I, I think was, you know, we've been personal trainers, him for quite a few years at that point, and, and I'd been maybe, you know, in the business for four or five years then. And uh, and I think I think part of the it, it, part of it came from frustration of, of people coming to us for help, and they had been kind of misled by so much of the the junk that's out there in this industry, uh, mm-hmm. in in weight in the weight loss industry and just fitness industry in general. And and there just seems to be a lot of uh, sort of myth-like things perpetuated, you know, through all the personal trainers and, and handed down through all the gym rats and all the, you know, and all that. And and people kind of fall into it. And, and so we wanted to kind of just dive into all the, the the real evidence, the scientific evidence, you know, the peer-reviewed medical journals, and because they study this stuff, and and to find out, okay, what really works and what what are we wasting our time on. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that's kind of what led us to 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 write speed is we we wanted something first of all to give to our clients to say here this is all the stuff that works read this and carry it around with you and it's like having Matt and Jeff in your in your back pocket or your purse or whatever you know and uh, and anytime you need to reference it you can you can reference it that was the original goal and then as as we got into the project we realized that man there's really a lot of a lot of bad information and missing information in our industry so this book might actually be uh, be good for a lot more people than just our clients. You know? There you go. That's, that's a great idea. Now tell us, um, what does SPEED mean? And what does it stand for? Okay, so, uh, well, a couple things. First, we actually, we encourage people to lose weight quickly if they can, if they need to and if they can. Uh, there's there's one of the, the sort of the myths that's, that's, uh, that's out there in our industry is is that if you lose weight quickly, Quickly, it, it's automatically unhealthy, and that's that's not true. It can you can lose weight quickly and do it healthy at the same time. Um, and, and another thing is that when people people think that they if they lose weight quickly that they uh, that they have a better chance of putting it back on, but that's those two things are completely separate from each other. The one doesn't mean the other. Uh, you're putting weight back on is all about what you do when you're done losing weight, whether you have a good maintenance plan or not. You know, if you have a good maintenance plan, you'll keep it off. If you don't and you slip back into your old ways, you'll probably put it back on, right? So that's one thing with speed. We kind of, you know, we wanted it to be a, a quick fat loss solution. So now the other thing is that it's a, it's an acronym, and uh, I guess we could have called it DEEPS or something like that, but uh, speed just seemed to ring a little a little better. But uh, it's... It, outlo- it outlines our, our approach to fat loss, which is it's something called the biopsychosocial model of change. Um, but but anyway, sleep st- our speed stands for sleep psychology, environment, exercise, and diet. <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the letters, and it could could have been other. It could have been something else too. But we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody who's listening, start writing it down. You know, so right. I'm trying to figure yeah, out right. the, the scrambling letters trying to figure <laughs> yeah. out what's going yeah. on. Yeah. 
Yeah. So what what can to you're talking about what people can expect um, uh, from from speed and and from you know what your what you're toting so to speak. What can okay, they so, expect? Yeah. So uh, well, the first thing is that it's it's a kind of a no nonsense fat loss book. There's no gimmicks or anything like that. We hate we hate gimmicks. There's a ton of those in our industry, and and everybody's mm-hmm. got their own. So. The first thing is that it's a short, easy-to-read book that just tells you what to do. This is what this is what you're supposed to do. This is why. Now go do it. It was it was purposely written so that it could be read in a few hours. You know, probably three or four hours if you're a good reader. You know, you just sit down and start applying the information right away. Uh, uh, it's also so that I, I mentioned the biopsychosocial model. So. That's a fancy way of saying that uh, that when you do something like a weight loss program or, or some sort of thing, you know, we hear the term lifestyle change thrown around a lot. And nobody, I don't think, really gets what that means, you know. People <laughs> say it because it's the cool new thing to say, like, oh, I'm not just on a diet, this is a lifestyle change. But I don't think they really get what that means. And, it, you know, when you do things like you change what foods you're going to eat, it can affect how your friends or family react to what you're doing. You know, if your if your family's used to eating, you know, a huge plate of pasta once a week and now you don't want to do that anymore, well that's that might cause a little rift between some of you and your family members, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if you're used to going out with your friends on the weekend. So so that's why we talk about the environmental aspect of that, the sociological aspects. You know, what are you going to have to do to address those those things? You know, obviously you don't want to just become a hermit and never talk to any of your friends or family anymore, you know. <laughs> but right. But you're going to have to probably modify some of the relationships you have with them if those relationships are built around certain behaviors that you're not going to want to do anymore. Um, mm. So it, that's why we, you know, obviously the SPEED acronym is, is we're not just about diet and exercise. You know, we talk about the psychological aspects of it and, and how to kind of rewire your brain to to really make the exercise and diet part easier to do, easier to stick to, you know. And the mm-hmm. fact that sleep, if you're not sleeping properly, you're going to get set up for uh, cravings and things that uh, that are going to make the diet almost impossible to stick to. And obviously, then you won't have energy. So the exercise part is is going to you know going to give you a problem. So there's a lot more to our book than just the usual you know hey these are the top five fat burning foods or whatever you know most you get out of most weight loss books. You know we talk about a wider wider spectrum of things. So. I think it's it's brevity and it's it's ease of application, and the fact that uh, that that we address the the problem from such a, a broad spectrum of of, uh, of places at once, you know. Um, mm-hmm. You're talking. Would, go, go ahead. You also had something about disconnecting. That people have a, a you know a way of disconnecting, and uh, sometimes they that's why they don't achieve what they want. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or did I read that wrong? <laughs> no, no, no. That's no. That's that's. Yeah, I think. And and this goes this goes beyond fat loss and and uh, and and just you know and and weight change and stuff right. like that. But yeah, people I mean, yeah. sometimes they have they have Everything. these wonderful visions of what they want to achieve, right? They like mm-hmm. like let's use a different example just to make it to make it easy. So. Like, you know, I want to be the CEO of a company and I want to make $300,000 a year or something like that, right? Or a million, right? And 
And, but but at the same time, I also want to have a family. I want to have a wife and maybe five children or something like that. Well, you know, I, I would I would guess that if you talk to most CEOs, not all of them, but most of them, it's probably hard to work, you know, the amount of hours necessary to achieve that position and still have time for to to have a family and be the be the father you probably want to be or the mother you'd want to be, right? And so they have these these grand ideas of what they want to achieve, but they don't really take into consideration what it really takes to achieve that and how that's going to affect all of the other areas of their life. Does that make sense? Yes. So for for weight loss purposes, you know, some people look, you know, they look at a picture of a of of a of a model on a magazine or something and say I want to look like that, but not taking into consideration that they work 50 hours a week, they have two kids and they're a single mom, you know, to to look like that is going to take some effort and probably some time, and you might not have that right away. You know, you have to, you might have to try really hard to make that. So sometimes there's just a disconnect, I think, between, uh, yeah, between what they want to achieve and, and what it actually takes to to do that. I agree. I agree. It's, you have to make choices, uh, you know. And once you have children and a family, you you have to make those choices right. uh, before. Rather than after, <laughs> yeah. Uh, otherwise, you won't be happy with the family, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, I think that sometimes people, uh, especially women, think they have to have children, and so then they they wind up getting into the the family thing, and that's not anything to do with the, with the dieting, but it does in essence because they needed to decide, you know, like you said. How are they going to achieve what they really want? Um, right. And and if they don't make those choices and, and and understand them ahead of time, they will resent those who get in the way of what they wanted to do. Right. Right. And that, that's not healthy for anybody. No. No, it's not a good situation to be in. Yeah. So um, what, what's surprising uh, people when they learn about your book, Speed? Um. What surprises people when they learn when they read speed? I think I think what surprises people the most there is there's a whole chapter on on myths, and uh, yeah, that that tends to be kind of popular I think now in, in weight loss books to do the whole myth busting thing. In fact, a friend of mine has like a book that's it's an entire myth busting book and there's 44 myths or something like that. Uh, but I think that the thing that surprises people the most outside of that chapter is is our our ideas on meal frequency. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so the, the diet chapter is just you know just one chapter. Obviously, it's just one aspect that we approach the, the problem from, but but it is one of the most important factors. And and uh, I think people have the idea that you have to eat small meals frequently throughout the day to speed up your metabolism, and it's not true, not even a little bit true. <laughs> uh, so when they in the research, when they again, you know, we we dive into all the research for this stuff. When they study people, they can actually measure people's metabolic rates, right? Mm-hmm. And they they make people eat two meals a day, and then they make those same people or a different similar group of people eat seven meals a day, and they compare the metabolic rates of the two groups. And uh, there's no di- there's no difference in metabolism. There's there's none at all whether you're eating two meals a day or seven meals a day. Now that's, that's considering everything else is equal, you know. So if the people in the two a day group are eating two thousand calories, so are the people in the seven 
a day group. They're just eating it, you know, spread out over more meals. Um, and there's no there's no metabolism benefit to that, which surprises a lot of people, you know, because it's a pretty pervasive myth that you have to eat frequently. You know, that's one of the yeah. first things people do when they try to eat to try to lose weight. They're like, well, I got to eat more snacks, and you know, I have to eat 19 times a day or whatever. And it's man, that's tiring. And I, I I'll admit I fell into that into the you know in my early years of of being health conscious. You know, when I was a young health nut, I was eating every two three hours probably, and man, just making, preparing all that food and eating constantly and finding times to eat in between things, you know. Every break at work was a was a meal and, you know, eating on the way home and to the gym and after the gym, it was just constant eating and it was, it's such a waste of time, you know. Mm. And uh, and now I, now I eat two, three meals a day and it, it's, I have so much more time to just enjoy everything else. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like a nice, nice weight has been lifted. Well, that's that's one of the big things, and and I, I was I got to say I was surprised on that too because I think we've all been told that you know uh, I think I, you know many of the popular weight loss programs um, have that, and you know uh, I won't say who they are. <laughs> they know who they are, but uh, yeah. that's. Yeah, they uh that's what they always tell you and of course they, they load you up on food and of course you're buying into the food basically. And you know, you have all this food and you're eating so much and that's all you're doing is, is making sure you fit all that stuff in that in a day. And I know there are times it's like, Man, I, I really don't wanna eat this, you know? I'm not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. And that's you know, one of the things that, that eating frequently can do for some people is that it can keep them from getting too hungry. You know, like for for instance, some days I only eat two meals. I get I get a, a good amount of hunger going in, in between those meals sometimes. And and if someone is is a person where they have a little bit of trouble controlling themselves in that situation, mm-hmm. you know, at least here right. in, in in the in the Phoenix area, you know, there's a fast food joint on every corner. Oh my there's God, an yes. intersection every mile, and there's a fast food place on every one. So. Uh, you know, so on your way home, if you haven't eaten since breakfast and it's and you're you're on your way home at six o'clock at night or whatever, you're and you're so hungry that you you lose the ability to make a good decision and you pull into one of those places rather than waiting until you get home and eating a, a, a healthy prepared dinner. You know, that can help sometimes. But there's actually uh, more and more uh, popularity behind uh, the idea of intermittent fasting, which is another thing we talk about. We we mention it briefly in the book just because it's not. Uh, again, it's not the be-all, end-all of, of weight loss, but it can be an interesting strategy for people that, that find it useful, and that's the idea that uh, maybe you only eat very infrequently. And, and sometimes in the, in the medical research, they call it alternate-day fasting, where they actually they don't eat for an entire day. You know, you can drink water and, and take vitamins if you, do, if you do something like that, supplements or whatever, but uh, you don't eat any, any solid food for an entire day. And then and then you eat the next day, and you, you keep doing that. You alternate, alternate days. And they find that even if you let people go nuts and kind of eat however much they want on their eating days, they don't make up for the day that they didn't eat. They don't completely make up for it, you know. Hmm. So it's, a, it's an easy way to reduce your overall intake without really having to, you know, count calories and track carbs and all that other kind of stuff. You know. Well, what if you get lightheaded? 
there there can be some of that. That's maybe you know for some people it's it's not the right way to go. And, and we definitely wouldn't recommend jumping right into alternate day fasting. You know, try skipping a meal first and see how that works. You know, or if you're one of those people who eats you know three meals and two snacks, skip a snack first and see how you could feel, and then and then try skipping two snacks in a row or whatever. Um, if you get lightheaded, you know, it, it could be a sign that maybe you're having some, uh, you know, a little bit of blood sugar control issue, you know, where you're, maybe you're getting you're getting a little low on blood blood sugar. And so at that point it would be then, you know, just, again, start start by maybe trying to space out your meals a little more and keep an eye on things. You know, make sure you don't get into a dangerous zone where you're starting to get lightheaded or dizzy or anything like that. Uh, and then slowly work your way up from there, and, and, and as maybe your body gets a little better at controlling blood sugar and keeping those levels level stable, you'll be able to go longer periods of time without eating, if if that works for you. Right, right. And, of course, it does have a lot to do with what works for you. Um, hang on, heck, and I'm going to ask a little more close questions, but I just want to let everyone know who's listening, because I know you are. I can hear you breathing. Um, guess your guest call-in number is 714-242-5145. Also, I know we have guests on our chat. So I know you're there. So you can uh, either write in a question or comment. I will give it to Matt for him to answer or to agree or disagree or you know whatever your comment is. And... Uh, again, seven one four two four two five one four five. Please don't be strangers. Come and uh, be part of this. Yeah, come hang out with us. It's more fun for yeah. everybody that way. That's right. Because I shouldn't be the only one that has to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> right, you just a hard job coming up with all the stuff to talk about. <laughs> well, you know, you you helped me a bit. You had some some real good questions here that uh, helped me. And of course, you know, I, I I do ask other things that um, I enter very interested, obviously, in your subject. And your book has been um, my bestseller on uh, Amazon. So, and it continues to to sell on a uh, you know regular basis. I mean, yeah, we've had some real slow months, but you know, people are very interested in weight loss. They're interested in in how to. Uh, I don't think it's so much the weight loss. I think that they are just not satisfied in their life. So I'm glad that you go over the psychological parts of that. But um, I think before they can actually, uh, you know, really do a weight loss program, I think they they probably need to really look at their life and, and whether or not they can handle that kind of change. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, so part of our psychology chapter is, uh, the, the first part of the chapter is, is to... Uh, to really kind of sit and think, and we, we call it creating a compelling vision, which is uh, something we found in, in, the, in the psychological research that, you know, you've really got to sit and think about what it is you want to be. You know, it sounds like something you would tell a kid, right? You know, <laughs> think about what you want to be when you grow up. But it's, it's, it's true, you know, sit and really think about what you want to be and not just in the weight loss realm, you know. Don't just say, okay, I want to have a 32-inch waist or whatever it is. But think about what you want your life to really be like and whether or not you're willing to make all of the changes that need to go. You know, some people, they start out, they say, oh, you know, whatever, I want to lose 30 pounds. And then they get 15 pounds into it and they realize that the 30 was probably more than they really needed to make themselves happier. Maybe just losing 15 pounds 
you know, maybe that made them, you know, feel better when they got up in the morning and they have less stress on their joints now and their knees don't hurt anymore. So they're happy at 15 pounds and and they're happy with maintaining that new weight with the amount of effort that goes into it. Whereas if they tried to get to the original 30-pound goal, they might start to become unhappy because it would be the, the, the more effort that would be required would become burdensome, you know. And so finding to... reasonable expectations then. Yeah, like... yeah, you know, and it's it's not a bad thing to dream to dream big. You know, the, the same thing goes for wealth. You know, people think, oh, I I'm, I want to make I got to make five million dollars. You know, and then they get to a hundred thousand and they realize, no, you know what, this is pretty cool. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and they and they you just realize that it, it's okay to shoot big, and then you just you just start to, whenever you get to where you're happy, you realize that that's probably a pretty good place to hang out at. That's that's true. That's true. But that's that's part of it. Now, um, you know, a lot of women, um, men sometimes feel threatened if they start on a diet and actually start losing weight and then they start getting worried. And they really sometimes put pressure for the women not to lose weight. Have you ever been uh, or witnessed anybody like that? Um, yeah, as far as, well, sometimes, yeah. I mean, it, it can come for different reasons, you know. Uh, I don't I don't know if you're necessarily talking about people who do it as a vindictive kind of thing. No, no, or no. Not. It's, it's, it's more or less kind of that they're worried about losing that person, so don't want them to change. Oh, in that, in that okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're saying now. Um yeah, there are, you know, they've been, that type of personality is sometimes referred to as a saboteur. You know, they're trying to sabotage the efforts of of someone. And that's, yeah, we've dealt with that a lot, I think, probably over the years. At least I know I have. I, I shouldn't speak for Jeff, but I'm sure he's seen that with some clients in, in a personal training situations where, uh, you know, either the, the husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend isn't very supportive and almost seems to be... Not you know doing it on purpose, um, and that's that's another tough thing where you've got to. I mean that's that's that talk about a lifestyle change there because right. <laughs> you've got to decide what you want and you know if it's again there, there's given there's different reasons for people wanting to to get their weight under control. Sometimes it's just an aesthetic thing like hey I want to feel better about the way I look. Sometimes it's a health thing. You know, or if hey, if I don't get this under control, I'm going to end up pre-diabetic or with with type two diabetes, or you know, the other complications that can come sometimes with with excess weight. And so, you know, there, there's different reasons for why somebody would want to sabotage someone else's effort. But uh, but you know, then you've got to make a serious choice about well, you know, it, am I really in the right relationship? Kind of thing. You know, I mean, that's a whole other ball game. That's that's. That's that's uh, yeah. That's that's not, that's, <laughs> that's not for your personal trainer to help you with, you know. <laughs> no, no, that, that's true. That's true. That's not something for your personal trainer. That's something that you that you're going to have to deal with uh, other ways. But uh, you know, I have seen that, and so that's why I was asking uh, whether you guys have ever witnessed that. Oh um, sure, yeah, and you know, I think I think one of the most important things to do if if anybody out there is listening and is this, in that sort of situation is just have a very candid and honest conversation about it with the person, you know, and, and really explain what your motivations are be- behind you wanting to lose weight and, and, and maybe get healthy 
and uh, and what your expectations would be of the other person. You know, do you do you need their support, or do you just need them to, at the very least, not sabotage your efforts, and you know, and just have a very open conversation? Because I think sometimes, right. obviously, I'm I'm no relationship expert, I guess, but uh, but just open communication tends to fix a lot of things. You know, when you start when you start assuming what the other person is thinking or trying to do, that's when things go go bad. Yeah, that's no matter what it is. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know I get I, I get myself uh, in trouble when I assume things sometimes, and uh, yeah. I get called on the carpet for it. So yeah. I'm sure if Don's listening, he's laughing about it right now. <laughs> <laughs> but the one thing that you that you guys talk about a lot, and or that I really honed in on, and that's the sleep, the need for sleep, proper sleep. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have to be sleeping well, at least better than probably most people are. You know, we, we, it tends to be one of those sleeps, one of those things that gets neglected very early on in life when you start taking on more and more responsibilities. And sometimes it's okay to do that in the short term. You know, you've got some deadlines at work, or you know, you've got a an infant that are you know they're going to keep you up all night for a couple months or a couple of years, depending you know on the child. So. Uh, yeah, for the short term, sometimes that can be okay, but, but long-term sleep neglect is going to set you up for, at least in, in the weight loss perspective, it's going to set you up for failure, unfortunately. Um, now, it's no good if, you, if you're if you so worried about the lack of sleep that you're getting that you start stressing yourself out. That's not good either, but just taking a few little steps and, and stuff we outline in the book you know, about how to get better sleep can really help uh, really helps set your body up for for a more successful weight loss endeavor, and and that's it, because we don't realize how much is really going on. I think in the body when we sleep, there are a bunch of hormonal stuff going on. You know, there's this hormonal cascade that happens all day. These hormones are coming up and down. Cortisol and melatonin comes out when you sleep at night, and cortisol is the kind of one, the one that comes out in the morning and wakes you up, sort of brings you out of your sleep and gets you ready for the day and and uh you know if you're if you're not sleeping properly or you're not sleeping long enough uh it can start to blunt some of those hormone responses which can really throw us way in a whack hmm. so yes. uh, and and that's all fascinating because you know that's i think something that a lot of Americans have right now is is, is sleep deprivation and and the lack of uh long term sleep yeah getting enough uh, what is getting yeah. enough sleep though i mean what is it getting a sleep to you? Is that different well, for everyone? It's it's a little different from person to person, but the majority of the population needs somewhere between seven and nine hours per night. Um, there are people who, for some reason, can function on less than that, like they can sleep four or five hours a night and seem to function very well. Uh, but those people are few and far between. Most people can do that for a little bit, and then they start to burn out. But... Uh, Seven to nine hours per night, and one of the most important things that we found, which was interesting, that surprised us, I think, was that it's important to have a consistent sleep schedule. So, in other words, even if you're getting your eight hours per night, let's say, it's, it's important that you know if you go to bed at ten and wake up at six, that you do that, you know, or pretty close to that every night. And that again has to do, I think, with that the hormonal rhythm that your body gets into. 
mm-hmm. you know, because those hormones are going to be triggered by it when you go to sleep and when you wake up, and so that kind of gets into that rhythm. And if you're one of those people who sometimes goes to bed at 9 o'clock and then the next night goes to bed at 11.30 and the next night you stay up until 1 in the morning, and you know, that's your body's never getting a chance to really get into that rhythm. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be really important for a lot of uh, not just weight loss but health stuff too. You know? Right. Now I do know that the uh, the twenty minute uh, nap that they're talking about in the afternoons. Uh-huh. Um, do you recommend that, or is it is it that you think? Well, you know, if you get your regular sleep, you don't need the nap. Well, you know, it, no, it's uh, a nap can be a good way to get a little extra sleep. In fact, it seems that. Again, that natural rhythm of our body that some of us or even most of us might be set up to run on really well on a short afternoon nap. You know, obviously there are cultures around the world who that, that has worked into their society. You know, they take a short short little nap in the afternoon. Um, and, uh, you know, it can be a great way to catch up on sleep. If, you, if, you, if you're one of those people who needs eight hours and you're only getting seven or seven and a half at night, you can maybe take a, a quick, you know, 10 or 20 minute nap in the afternoon. Just a couple things to caution against is uh, don't sleep for too long in the afternoon because then that can start to really throw off your sleep at night. You know, if you sleep for too long, then maybe uh, maybe you can't go to bed when you're supposed to at night. Um, so it seems those real short, anywhere from probably 10 to 30-minute naps in the afternoon uh, are, mm-hmm. are really, really where you need to go. I usually recommend for people, I always say the best nap is when you can feel yourself dozing off and then all of a sudden you were awake, and you can't even really tell if you fell asleep or not. Like, if you didn't have the clock, <laughs> you wouldn't even be yeah. able to tell if time passed. You know, that, that, those are the perfect afternoon naps because you don't you don't get into that little deeper sleep where when you wake up you feel sluggish, you uh-huh. know. You just right. feel nice and fresh, so. There you go. Now, you think exercise, uh, you know, obviously I, I know this, but some people need to know, uh, exercise uh, regularly helps with the sleep pattern. Uh, yeah, I can. You know, it, it depends. This is different for different people, and, and it depends on probably the intensity of the exercise. But yeah, the exercise will definitely help with sleep and vice versa. Uh, now, some people won't do well exercising late at night, you know, especially if it's intense sometimes because they get all revved up, you know, and their nervous system kind of gets all up, up into gear, and then they go to try to lay down, and it's like, okay, I'm just going to lay here and my mind's racing, you know. So sometimes uh, some people do better at exercising earlier in the day, whether it's first thing in the morning or, or maybe even on a lunch break or something like that. But uh, some people can exercise late in the evening. It doesn't bother them at all. But, yes, definitely the two kind of go hand in hand. Exactly. And uh, diet. Now we're talking that obviously your D on speed is diet. Right. You do have a plan in, in the book, so can you kind of go over that with us? Yeah, so uh, so the diet plan, we recommend actually uh, uh, for most people for weight loss, a low-carb, medium-protein, high-fat diet, which it's important to understand that a lot of people think a low-carb diet is a high-protein diet, and that's not usually true. Most low-carb diets actually recommend lowering carbohydrates and, and increasing your fat intake, which is not an unhealthy thing. People are afraid of fat for multiple reasons. Fat, first of all, does not turn into fat when you eat it. It doesn't turn into fat on your body, necessarily, uh, especially if you're controlling your overall intake. Um, And it is not an unhealthy thing 
for your heart and all that stuff. You know, people said, oh, you got to stay away from fat and all that. We've we've known that for quite a while now that that was kind of a mistake that scientists made, uh, you know, a few decades back that that fat was being blamed, especially saturated fat was being blamed mm. for uh, for heart problems, and that's that's not really the case. So we, anyway, we recommend a low-carb, medium-protein, uh, medium high-fat diet. Um, Low-carb, mostly because it helps people eat less without really trying very hard to eat less. Mm. Because... The foods you typically eat on a low-carb plan, they're usually, you know, a, a lot of good vegetables, right, which are really filling but don't have many calories to them, most of them. Uh, some good protein foods with some, you know, protein and fat like animal products and, and cool stuff like avocados and some nuts and seeds and things like that. Those foods just tend to keep you fuller longer than other foods would for the same amount of calories, you know. So I always challenge people to go ahead and overeat on on chicken and broccoli, you know, it's not an easy thing to do to overeat on that. You'd have to almost try on purpose, you know, and so <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's much easier to overeat on something like, I don't know, uh, you know, uh, pasta or, or, or potato chips or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so those diets oh. tend to help people regulate their intake without really having to work very hard at it. Also, uh, the diet and how, how you, what you're eating there, we're talking about is more energy uh, energy in versus energy out. Right, right. So that, yeah, that's kind of the mother of all of all weight loss is is calories. You know, calories are just a unit of energy. So I usually tell people, you know, rather than saying you ate so many calories, just think of it as you ate so much energy. Right. That's all food is <laughs> is it's energy for our body. And so yeah, you have to be to to lose weight and to to make your 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 body go after body fat. You have to be burning more calories uh, over a time period, like say on a daily basis, than you eat. So you have to burn more than consume. And what happens then is that your your body is in a deficit and it has to go after stored tissue like body fat uh, to make up for the difference in fuel. You know, So if your body is using 2,000 calories worth of fuel every day and you're only eating 1,500 calories worth of fuel, it needs to go somewhere to get that extra 500 calories worth of fuel. And it's a very actually complicated equation when you really start breaking down, you know, what calories are in certain foods and how those foods react in your body. And some foods, it seems, can actually make your body burn more calories just because of the type of food they are. It, it gets kind of complex, but when it comes down to it, if you know, if you've been doing whatever you're doing for two weeks and the scale hasn't moved, you're taking in too much energy and you're not expending enough. Uh-huh. Right. So now, that, that's kind of the mother the mother of all fat loss is that, that you know, and it, it makes it sound simple. Oh, you just take in less than you eat. But, again, there's all those other variables of your life and all the other things that are going to affect your food intake and your energy output. So it gets yeah, pretty complex. <laughs> what about stress? How's, how does that play into all this? Uh, you know, well, that, that's, been, that's been like the bad word for everybody, you know. Yeah. Always talk about it. Stress is a funny thing. I mean, there's actually stress isn't necessarily always bad. In fact, our body needs some forms of stress, right? Right. There's something called eustress, which is when a stress is healthy for you, like like exercise, right? It's a stress from your body. To, to, uh, according to your body, your body sees exercise as a stress, but your body adapts to that stress 
and you become stronger or you be, your immune system becomes more efficient or whatever that whatever your response is to that exercise, right? So that's you stress. That's a good, healthy stress. And then there's a, a point where you get to the level of distress, which is when stress stops becoming a healthy thing and it starts overwhelming your system. And in those cases, for fat loss, it's kind of funny that uh, – We've heard a lot about cortisol and stress. It's a hormone, and uh, and that stress raises your cortisol levels, and that will make you gain fat, right? But uh, it seems really that cortisol, it can't just magically make you gain fat if if the calorie balance equation is where it should be. In other words, if you're eating less than you uh, than you than the energy you use. Even if your cortisol is really high, you can't magically gain fat. You're still going to lose in that situation. What cortisol can do is, is if you are in uh, in a, a eucaloric situation, in other words, if you're if you're eating the amount of calories your body needs or more than that, cortisol, when you're stressed out, can make that fat that you would gain be uh, what, what we call visceral fat, which is the fat that's up underneath your muscles kind of up into your midsection. It's near your organs, and you need a little mm-hmm. bit of that because your fat kind of pads your organs so that when you you know when you fall over, they don't slosh into each other and cause damage. You know, there's like some padding up in there, but too much of it is 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 very well correlated with uh, with really bad things like heart attacks and things like that. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, having uh, having a high stress level can kind of make that visceral fat uh, come on a little a little more quickly than it should. So it seems that in a in a weight gain scenario, cortisol can be really dangerous. But again, all the stress in the world, if you're not eating enough to warrant weight gain, it really can't just magically make you gain weight. Okay. Not, not, not to say that you shouldn't still address it, because for health reasons, it could be, you know, whether you're losing weight or not, you still might not be in a healthy scenario, especially if you're really, really stressed out about stuff that you can, that you can take control over. But that's where some some you know some uh, rational and flexible thinking that we we talk about in the psych chapter, which uh, that that can really help there because sometimes people stress themselves out about stuff that they can't do anything about anyway, and uh, yeah. and really that's it's probably it's not an easy thing to do. It's easier said than done. But to learn how to not worry about those things so much uh, it can be very beneficial for stress levels. You know. Yeah, that's true. Like you said, that is easier said than done. That's- yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure is. It sure is. It's, it's easy to sit here and say, "Oh, just don't worry about those things," you know. Yeah, but I know. Sometimes right. it's good to make lists of of stuff you can't control and the stuff you can't, and that way you can focus on the stuff that you can control. You know, and this goes for all again all aspects of life. You know, if you're if you're behind and you're in debt or something, you know, we'll focus on the stuff that you really can control about paying down your debt, and and not the stuff that you can't necessarily do anything about at this point. You know. Right. It, it just gives you kind of a locus of control so that you feel like you do have control over the situation. And that's a very healthy place to be. Yeah, uh, that's that's definitely true. And and that's really good advice whether you have to lose weight or not. Yeah. So I guess yeah. you guys could be doctors then. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Maybe someday I'll have the, uh, the DR in front of my name. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, let's see what it is. Somebody has asked a question here on Facebook uh, about 
uh, your family, family issues. Like, for instance, if if, if they are uh, obviously overweight, then uh, how can you get around that? And, and what do you recommend that they start? Where do they start? Uh, is the question more so for if your family is overweight and you're trying to recommend how they how they would lose weight or, or approaching that? Uh, yeah, I, I guess apparently they're asking two questions at one here. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, well, well, first of all, I, I think I think if the question, if I have it correctly, approaching someone else about their weight is a very touchy situation. In fact, I'll, I'll digress for a second. In, I used to be in a networking group, and one of the guys in my group, uh, at one point, he asked me for for one of my books, and I, of course, said, "Sure, you know, that'd be great." And he said, "I want to give it to my wife for her birthday." And oh. and I'm like, "Do you do you value being married? Is this is this, is this something you'd like to continue to be in the future? You know?" And uh, and I said, "That you know, you don't you really don't want to give a, a weight loss book to your wife probably for her birthday." And he, he kind of thought about it, and he's like, yeah, I guess that was kind of a silly idea. And she had mentioned to him, I guess, before about wanting to lose weight and, and figured, you know, being a being a guy who's probably just all about, you know, solving problems and getting things, yes. you know, yeah. he was just like, oh, I'll, just, I'll get her a book that shows her how to do it, you know. It was a nice thought. but uh, So we agreed then that he would actually uh, just leave it laying around the house yeah, uh, and not really present it to her. And then she'd pick it up and ask, oh, what's this? And he'd say, oh, it's just a guy in my B&I group. I bought one of his books because, you know, whatever. So, right. Uh, exactly. anyway, it's innocuous. It's a lot safer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. A much better approach as far as I, as far as I know. They're still together now, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, approaching family, and, and if, you have, if you have family, if, you know, if you're a mother or something like that, asking the question from that perspective, uh, you know, it's it's important to lead by example. I think, you know, and if you're trying to get your husband or your wife or or your uh, or your children to kind of follow in your footsteps, I think you know just making subtle changes to your own your own eating plan, and not necessarily forcing them to do it, but just but but at the same time letting them see it. You know, when when the family sits down to have ice cream at night, just politely refusing. You know. Mm-hmm. That that kind of stuff can at first it might go unnoticed, but it, once it becomes a habit, they might start to notice like, oh wow, you don't really eat all the junk food that we eat, you know, <laughs> you know, with us, and they might start to kind of you you can start to nudge them in that in that direction rather than just kind of laying down a mandate of uh, of hey, this is the way it's going to be from now on, nothing but eating vegetables and you know, sort of becoming a family food Nazi. Uh, that's not usually the best the best approach, you know. Family food, uh, Nazi. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. I might write that one down. It just kind of came to me. <laughs> so, uh, but what was there? There was kind of another part to the question. Was there? Well, I, I think it, had, it was. It was. You know, you you did address it in the way that they were wondering how to start slowly if they were going to lose weight. Okay. Uh, the first thing I would do. That's tough. The first thing I actually recommend is is adding things because anytime you take something away, then there's that uh, you know that sense that you're being kind of cheated. So the first thing I would do is is to be at to add more vegetables or more protein. Kind of decide which one you're usually that you're low on because most people are usually low on one of those. Either they don't eat enough vegetables 
or they don't eat enough protein foods, and protein foods being, you know, uh, animal products like uh, chicken, turkey, beef, fish, eggs, stuff like that. Um, trying to get, one, you know, at, at least a small portion of one of those at every meal is important, and then just adding more vegetables. And, and again, because what really happens is when you start adding that stuff in, it keeps you fuller longer, and you start eating less of the other stuff that you probably shouldn't be eating, yeah, but okay. we don't really want to just take away from you right away. It'll kind of happen automatically. So okay, to, start, to start slow, I would say do, do one of those two things. And uh, and also maybe, you know, take a multivitamin and, and, and some fish oil if you're not already. Those are good things to add in, in the beginning, too. I think that's a real wise thing in that to, to uh, because I think a lot of problems with, with dieting is that you go cold turkey on something and that's your body's it says what well, what are you doing <laughs> right right it, it, it can be hard in, in in many aspects not only is you know you're restricting something that that you were giving your body before and now it's asking well where the heck is that that can make it hard but also you know from the social aspect and everything i mean if you again if your if your family is a family that eats a lot of bread or pasta or something and that's something that mm-hmm. you eventually want to try to curb from your diet just sitting down at the table and saying, no, I'm not eating that anymore, that can be a little abrasive to the people around you, you know, and that might make them feel bad about eating and that might cause a rift between you, you know. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider there, whereas if you just say, no, I'd really like more vegetables, I mean, who's going to say no to that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You know, who's going to be like, no, 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 you shouldn't have more vegetables. You know, nobody's, it's easier to add stuff in in multiple ways than it is. Well, I know my my teenage son would say, no, I don't want more vegetables, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's true, but that's okay. He doesn't have to eat more vegetables. It's just you that want to eat more vegetables, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I want him to eat more vegetables, too, but, you know, you know him that goes so far with the teenager, then uh, (laughs) you can't force him to eat like you did when he was a kid. Right, uh, right. They go out and get those chips behind your back all the time anyway, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anything else you'd set speed apart from other programs? Uh, well, well, no, not really. I mean, I, I think just kind of reiterating the fact that, you know, there's, it's really a no-gimmick kind of a, a approach to the to the problem, you know. There's no top five foods that help you lose weight because there's no such thing as five foods that help you lose weight. You know, it's, it's about the totality of the foods that you eat, you know. I just, and, I just uh, saw and, that on Yahoo this morning. I go going like top, top five foods to help you lose weight and going like, oh, you know, I'm not going to click that. <laughs> no, I, uh, those articles are everywhere and they drive me crazy. I know. But, uh, the one other thing, you know, the, the fact, and I mentioned this, the fact that we backed everything up with science. I mean, we reference, I think, I think it's like 268 yeah journals and, and other books, you know, and when, when we reference a book, it has to have references itself. And that's yeah. important to, to Jeff and I. That was one of the reasons, because because there is so much misinformation that keeps getting passed along in our industry because nobody bothers to check the source, mm-hmm. you know. When you make a statement, especially a pretty bold one or or, or one that you're, you're really adamant about, you know, when you tell people, no, mm-hmm. you've really got to eat six or seven meals a day, you, you better have a good reference and a good source for that. And so... We put all those references in our book, and we even put little little numbers behind all the, you know, when we make a sentence that, that we feel needs some support, we put a little number in that, that 
points to the yeah. reference at the end. And some people even think that's annoying because they don't like all the little numbers behind our sentences. But it, it really means so much to us because we feel that it should be an evidence-based recommendation that we're, we're keeping them in there for the time being. You know, I don't, I don't see those references going anywhere anytime soon. But, no, it shouldn't. Uh, I remember Most, be, uh, early on we had uh, somebody who complained and said, to, you know, that uh, I as the publisher should have known better to put uh, the, to even take this book because it didn't have documented. Uh, I mean, the, the, you guys didn't know what you're talking about and yada yada. And I, I'm going, I wrote back and said, said, how can you possibly say that when they've got more reference material and actually reference it in a book or in any other book I've ever read? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Where are you and going with this? <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of weight loss books, uh, or even fitness books in general, will always say that their recommendations are science based, but mm-hmm. then they don't provide any any real evidence of that. You know, right. so a lot of our references are to the you know to the medical journals that we read, and and those are kind of you know all those studies that we reference, those are the gold standard for for evidence in the, in the scientific community. So we're really proud of that. It took us, to be honest, that was the longest part of, of writing the book, you know, mm-hmm. was, was, all the research, was all the research and everything. The writing of it took a couple, you know, a couple weeks at best. It was the research that took months. And, and I think it was us being in school for our master's and, and diving into all the science anyway. We, right. we uh, sort of killed two birds with one stone whenever we could. It, and we'd, we'd write a project for our master's program that was really just a chapter for the book or something, you know, whatever we could do. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, you sh- I shut him up pretty fast when I said, is there anything specific that you're having a problem with? Yeah. That, yeah, and, and, you know, crickets. You couldn't hear it. He, he never wrote back. So. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and we actually like that. I mean, that's kind of one of our things, too, is that, you know, uh, people shouldn't just take our word for it. If they if they have the time and the and the effort, they can check the references and go look it up for themselves. And sure. Uh, or or challenge us on stuff. I mean, there could be stuff that we would you know we we'd have a discussion about, and maybe we'd all learn something if somebody would say, "Hey, I disagree with you on this." We look forward to that kind of stuff. We like we like that sort of scientific inquiry. You know. And, and I wouldn't mind that either. That sometimes people just want to complain about something because they don't want to do it. Well, right, right. Yeah, that, that happens. That happens a lot. <laughs> I go, like, okay, it, it, I think that's where this guy was, so, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, hopefully, maybe, you know, he'll come around at some point, and, uh, yeah. or, he'll, or he'll find some other plan that works for him. That'd be good. Yeah. Uh, I, I said, did you, did you want your money back, or did you want to pass the book on to somebody who may get something out of that? You know? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's, yeah. You never know. It's, it's because you don't get something out of it. Doesn't mean that somebody else won't. And it's uh, everyone has their own way of reading things. And uh, uh, particularly, you were talking about the fact that the industry has so much bad information, and so you're trying to to show the reference. I, I get that a lot in publishing as well. So I know I told you told you this before, or at least I told uh, Jeff that I have to get past all the uh, all the sheer you know, bad information out there. Yeah. Uh, just to be able to, you know, try to train the author. Uh, is that, is, no, that's not what ISBNs are for. That has nothing to do with copyright. And, <laughs> and right. you have to train, train them, retrain them, because they've been fed all this bad information all these years. And it's the same thing with dieting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Jeff and I are lucky enough to be in an industry where 
there is a large body of scientific evidence where they've done, you know, multiple studies on this stuff. So we have a nice evidence base to pull from. <laughs> we just have to <laughs> interpret it correctly, you know. We've, we've got the well, parts. That's true. So. That's true. Yeah, and uh, I know Jeff had a lot of other research material there. So uh, did, he, did he take all that with him? Uh, yeah, I think he took most of it with him. He might have sold some books. But I think he took a. I think he took the majority of it with him. I might have this kept is... some too, but don't tell him that. <laughs> well, hopefully he didn't hear it here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we are getting close to the end. And one thing I did want to ask is, how did you? And something that somebody asked me, um, with the two of you writing the book, did you? I mean, how did you guys work together on the production of the book? I mean, it was part of you, you know, obviously, did Jeff maybe do more research? Did you do some? How did that dynamics work when you were writing? Well, we kind of split it up. Uh, you know, he, he's got more of, a, at least at the time, and, and probably still has more of a nutritional background than I do. He does have a, a nutrition certification and uh, mm-hmm. and also has a, a bachelor's in psychology. So it was kind of natural for him to take, the the diet chapter and the psych chapter kind of under under his wing, mm-hmm. you know, and kind of do that. Um, it was more natural for me to take the exercise chapter, mm-hmm. being that I was kind of an, uh, an exercise specialist at the, at the time, and that's what I was in school for. Uh, his his master's actually is also a focus in in, in psychology, I believe, too. So uh, so we kind of split them up that way, and then uh, and then we but we both worked, you know, again being kind of sort of scientists in a way we we like to kind of check each other uh you know so he mm-hmm. would he would show me his evidence for you know for the diet chapter or whatever and I would read over it and say yeah okay you know you you're, you know but we probably called each other on a couple things too where we said yeah I don't think you're really interpreting the study correctly and and I think it it, it says more of this rather than what you you know so we kind of kept each other out a little checks and balances system and then uh, That's true. We have okay. very different writing styles, which which was probably the most challenging part. Just the way in in the way we, we, which we structure sentences and things. Ah. You know, yes. so he would read what I wrote, and it wouldn't flow for him at all. It was it was very you know, and 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 same for me with his writing. So that was probably <laughs> the most challenging part was sitting down together in front of a laptop and saying, "All right, let's read this thing," and and you know, sentence for sentence, go through and try to make it so that we both. Uh, we will think it flows pretty well, and that we're saying what we want to say. So uh, that was <laughs> yeah. I can pretty, imagine that would be hard. <laughs> yeah, as far as the research, it was kind of a divide and conquer thing, you know. Um, I wrote the evidence appendix, I think, in the back. That was mostly me. But again, it, we we checked each other on everything, so it was fun. It was a great process, actually. The the book writing process was so much fun. Well, and especially when you're getting extra credit for it in school, that's great. Great way to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> So, I, I mean, it did take us almost probably a year after we graduated school to actually get the finished product. Oh, yeah. I think it was, sure. what, what are we, October or something, I think, or September or October, we were done it for was, nine or ten months. Yeah, September, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's good. I just was, because I, I know one of the things that uh, that they ask yeah, a lot of authors ask is, you know, especially when you have two people who are working on the same book. Uh, that's something they always ask about. How how did that work out? How did the dynamics work out? So that's why I asked that question. 
So yeah. what? Yeah, Jeff what, and I. Well, Jeff and I have always had a, a good relationship in that we never really. Uh, we 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 try to take a, a rational and calm approach to disagreements. You know, <laughs> so we never got into any. Uh, you know, knockdown. Chatting matches. Or <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think. You know, we had enough heavy books laying around. We probably could have done some damage had we thrown them at each other. But I don't. Yeah. I don't think it ever came to that. Oh, books! I, I never thought about that. I'll have to reach down you know, and view some of those when when Don's around. But <laughs> <laughs> so, what's a, what's what's coming for you? What's what's in horizon for you? Uh, well, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, I've got my plans of what uh, what we'd like to see happen, and you know, for, at this point, I think we're going to just keep uh, we keep writing for the website at doingspeed.com. You know. Uh, we've got a blog there that that's that's kind of more uh, for for the people who are interested in the in the evidence ba- based stuff. You know, we we review some studies and things like that, and every once in a while we share like a meal or something if we came up with a cool recipe. So we'll keep doing that. And uh, uh, Speed 2.0 is probably on the back burner somewhere. You know, uh, it's it's crossed both of our minds. In fact, we've brought it up to each other separately. So. Uh, you know, I'm sure that's uh, we've already got some ideas of, of how we might change things a little bit or do things from a different approach, but uh, yeah, update some things. So, so that's that's on the agenda somewhere, but I don't know that it's, uh, it's necessarily in a in a in the near future. So. so, you know, some people say, well, if you wrote a perfect book, then I guess you wouldn't need 2.0. That's true. That's true. I guess maybe we should have gotten it right the first time. I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, no, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if we can uh, if if there's that much that much to update or not. You know. Right, right, right. And you know the the research probably changed, but you know the the bad advice out there probably hasn't. But, uh, that's very true. That's a great way to say it. Yes, the re- and and the research, you know, it's it's a slow going process. The the scientific community, and I think sometimes that's a sometimes the media gets a hold of things a little too early and, and starts yelling about things before they really should, you know, before the science you know, really... You know, for first they say, car- you know, carbohydrates are good for you, then they say they're bad, then, oh, my God, the eggs are bad for you, and, no, bacon's bad for you. Oh, no, those are okay as long as they're moderation. Oh, my gosh, it's right. so confusing. Right, right. And that's where, that's the disconnect between, you know, the the, the science community that, that finds something and then wants to duplicate that multiple times before they really come out with a statement that says, okay, we're pretty sure about this. Whereas, <laughs> the, you know, the media gets a hold of that first study and just blasts it out That's there, especially now yeah. with how fast information travels, you know. Yeah. It gets uh, it gets ugly. But, yeah, there's probably a little more, a little new research that we could include in the book to help people a little bit, but... Uh, he said, "Maybe we'll maybe maybe we'll add more to the acronym and we'll call it speedier or something." You know? <laughs> if you get any longer of a subtitle, it's going to fall off the book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, yeah, you know, it's not the original subtitle, of course. Was, you know, I thought that spell. was I thought that was long enough, and then you gave me the second one. And I said, "You, what are you guys doing? Make it longer." <laughs> Yeah, we like our we like our acronyms and our long subtitles. That's just the way we are, I guess. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed talking to you, and uh, yeah. I'm glad that this you uh, know we were able to sit down again. Uh, we haven't talked since you know uh, the very beginning. Uh, I think it was yeah. uh, uh, November, I think, of 2009. Wow, really? 
it's yeah. time flies when you're having fun, I guess, right? Yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. I I'm, I I had a lot of fun tonight. It was good. And I'll be uh, obviously this is for archival purposes as well. So I will give giving you the code, and you can put it up on wherever you want. Okay, cool. Um, that's the cool thing about that is it just keeps on ticking, and of course, it, you know, even the show back in 2009, you guys are still getting hits. Cool. So, well, that's good. That's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and of course, now that we've updated it, uh, you know, you guys will be fresh and new, and 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 it'll be, uh, you know, you know, brand new readers. So that's the whole yeah. point. Yeah, we'll we'll pump this out to our newsletter subscribers and on our website and stuff, and hopefully, uh, people can enjoy me. Be rambling on about fat loss for a little while. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, it's terrific. Well, I will bid you adieu, and, and thanks so much for coming on with me. All right. Thanks, Patty. I appreciate it. That was Matt and uh, his wonderful view of weight loss and uh, fat loss. And this is KWOD Radio, and this is Patty Hellstrand. I'm going to take a short break, and I'll go over all the different shows we have coming up. Uh, we're still on, so if you had a question for me specifically uh, about the writing process or about how to put something like a book like this together with a group, then you can uh, definitely call me or write on my comment, your chat, little chat area there. Just let everyone know that uh, Doing Speed, that's uh, Doing, D-O-I-N-G, Speed, S-P-E-D, dot com. And under DoingSpeed.com slash book, you can hear... Hi, my name is Matt Shannonberg. There's Matt.
You see, there is a way to find out exactly what works for weight loss and what doesn't. Scientists have been studying weight loss for over 50 years. When they find something that works, they write about it in medical journals. Jeff and I were tired of the weight loss myths we heard being passed along by experts. So, we sifted through decades' worth of these scientific medical journals to learn everything there is to know about weight loss, so we can teach it to you. Let me explain what Jeff and I discovered about weight loss during the years we took to research speed. What we learned is that weight loss experts have only been telling us part of the story. And to make things worse, much of what they have been telling us is wrong. You see, the term lifestyle change is used all too often in the weight loss industry. Well, it is true that in order to lose weight and keep it off, you need to change your lifestyle. But what does that really mean? So, on uh, just to hear the whole entire thing, you can go right on his website, doingspeed.com slash book. And you can see the little book on the side. It's obviously the nice cover nice cover of the speed book. And it says, Doing Speed. You click that and it will take you right to his his uh, rendition, his, his speech here on a lot of what he just talked to us about. But the uh, wait, the website is you know separating facts from fiction. And you've got a free report there on three on three things you aren't doing that are holding you back from weight, losing weight. So a lot of really great information here. Um, and it's, it's evidence-based weight loss. And so the authors, and of course you can see uh, Matt and Jeff there. Nice strapping young man there. And uh, they're a lot of fun to be around. So... Be sure to uh, check out check out their website, and you'll find that you'll enjoy having them uh, as your coach. Perhaps you could even get coaching by Matt um, and also by Jeff. So definitely check out their website. Just to let you know, some things are coming up uh, today. I had a a, a vlog a blog spot uh, with. Caesar, he is a well. Let's just say that he he's got a intuitive intuitive thing about him. He's got a book of prophecies, and so um, he, <laughs> he calls himself Caesar Nostradamus, and he does talk about specifically about the five tips for self publishing, and all this is really good information, especially for any authors want to be. And so I predict that. If you don't follow some of these uh, five top five things that, tips that he's giving you, you will get a mediocre, uh, a mediocre fan base. So definitely take a look at that, and obviously look at you know, who he is. Uh, he's a very experienced background in the spiritual world, so he's an interesting guy. Um, also tomorrow we have a good friend of mine. Uh, we have a, a feature on Chet Chup. He is an author, and you you've got to come on my my uh, blog and meet him because uh, he's a local author here in Arizona. And my blog is az like in Arizona Publishing Services dot blogspot dot com. That's az Publishing Services dot blogspot dot com. 
Um, once you meet Chet on the blog, you will also meet him live next Tuesday right here on KWAD Radio. And that will be 530 to 6.30 next Tuesday the 7th. So tomorrow you can meet him on my blog um, and find out more about him. And on Tuesday you'll meet him live on right here on Blog Talk Radio. We also have another uh, uh, virtual book tour uh, guest spot with Andrea. Boy, I sure I got get this right. Did Julio? And if I got your name wrong, sorry about that. Anyway, they w- that will be on Monday the sixth. Also on the uh, azpublishing.blogspot.com. And we've got uh, a lot of great stuff coming up. But we have, you know, I think two or three virtual book tours every week. We also have a Valentine show on, obviously, the 14th. Uh, February 14th at 6 to 7 p.m. We'll have a Valentine show with Don the Handyman. It'll be a lot of fun. So you need to come by and see what he's been up to. And that will be on Valentine's Day from 6 to 7, here right here on KWOD Radio. If you want to know all this uh, information on the different virtual book tours, you can definitely go right on changing and my Changing Hand, Changing Face of Publishing blog, which again is azpublishingservices.blogspot.com. And on the right side, there's a list of upcoming blog tours and radio shows. So definitely take a look because there's a lot of great stuff coming up. So with that, I'm going to say good night because it's getting close to seven, and we have some good shows coming up on television. So I am going to enjoy that and have dinner with my son. So with that, I'm going to say this is KWAD Radio, and this is Patty Holstrain signing out for the day. And thank you.
just in case anybody forgot. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.